Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey listeners, welcome to Amalia Anthology. Here, you can find a collection of our most read pieces on Amalia.com. Read by the authors themselves so that you and our readers can enjoy your favorite articles in a new way. This episode, She Richards is reading her piece, Why, as a second-generation Caribbean, I will never consider England my home. Enjoy. Why, as a second-generation Caribbean, I will never consider England my home. I was scrolling my timeline and I saw this, from David Lammy. I have just received a letter telling me to be grateful as a black man for all we have done for those black people who came to live here or to go back to wherever you came from. I was born in the Whittington Hospital, the son of Windrush migrants, and I will speak for them. Honestly, it didn't surprise me. As a Muslim woman, I've heard similar things. As a black British-born Jamaican, I've heard the horror stories from my family of their early years in Britain, and I have frequently been othered or faced with microaggressions. The recent treatment of the Windrush generation didn't surprise me either. Caribbeans have a complicated relationship with Britain. When this country was falling apart after the Second World War, Britain decided to encourage migration. Note, migration, not immigration. They were British citizens at the time. From the colonies to the mainland. And they came. They came and they rebuilt a very broken Britain. My grandparents journeyed to England at this time. My grandmother worked as a nurse and my grandfather as a labourer. As a result of their early migration, my grandparents have actually never been Jamaican citizens. Fortunately for them, they travelled to and from Jamaica frequently, so they had passports and other documents that a lot of Caribbeans in this country did not have and are now being persecuted for. My grandparents settled here and made a family. My mum and aunt were both born here and I was born here too. So why not call it home? In Jamaica, our unchangeable home is the place where our navel string or umbilical cord is. We have a beautiful tradition of burying a baby's cord and placenta under a sapling. The sapling grows as the child grows and that tree is there with the roots planted firmly in the ground for them to point out their home. The roots of the tree signifying the roots of the child in the land of their birth. In Britain, our umbilical cords are incinerated unless requested otherwise, and that left me landless in a way. Fortunately for me, my grandparents made sure that every year there was money in a pot for me to fly back to Jamaica. I spent almost every summer of my childhood exploring my island, meeting all my family members, even the most distant ones, being shown pictures of my relatives who had returned to God before I was even a thought in my mother's mind. I would eat Julie mangoes on the veranda with my cousin that we had picked from the tree in our yard and the fire ants would burn my legs. I didn't appreciate it as a child, but as I got older, I realised what my grandma, she was the one who would physically take me, was doing. 
Every time we landed, she would tell me, these are your people and this is your home. I would watch as my grandma looked on in disgust at popular tourist attractions like Dunn's River, at staff speaking in overdone and completely unnatural Jamaican accents because that was what was expected from them of the white tourists. I suppose in return for the money that their tourism would bring. I would listen as she muttered to herself that even here in our home we were expected to perform, never to be too deep or too real because that would spoil their fun. When I was old enough, I observed for myself how the white tourists avoided my Jamaica and they opted instead for the beaches and the fenced-in resorts, for a palatable Jamaica that they could have fun in and drink until their heart's content and shout, Yaman at the top of their lungs, but never seeing my actual country or the people. One vivid memory of mine, we were in a shop and a white tourist pushed very boldly in front of my grandma in the queue. As it was a neatly formed queue, he couldn't have missed it. It wasn't an aggressive manoeuvre, It was as though he had expected nothing less, as if he thought, well, I want it this way and she will have to accommodate me. I watched from between the shelves, penny bun in hand as my grandma drew herself up to her full height and said to him, you may feel like you can do that when we are in your country, but this is my country and you will get in place behind me. In my mind, the same arrogance in the letter that David Lammy received was the same arrogance here. This kind of, we gave you everything, be grateful. Being home emboldened her to speak up in a way that she may not have in a place that she was seen as an outsider. I realised why she was bringing me here. To show me that it was important that you had a land of your own. Don't get me wrong, if I flew to Spain tomorrow, I'd refer to my flight back to Britain as a flight home. Do I like it here? Sure. I like it as much as one person can like a place where they're frequently made to feel other. There are many aspects of Britain that I love and benefit from. My warm feelings for Britain are more of a familiar love. Like I love this place because it's predictable and I know it. But on a deeper, in some ways, spiritual level, thinking of home as a place where I feel at home, where I feel like I'm safe, accepted, the norm, Britain isn't that for me. The letter sent to David Lammy is just one example of anti-black sentiment in Britain. There are millions more. I know many of us who are children of people who are not native to the country we've grown up in feel a dichotomy between our ancestral home and the land of our birth. In my case, I spent a lot of time feeling not Jamaican enough for the Jamaicans, but too Jamaican for the English. But further thought on this, however, made me feel differently. Although Britain as a whole does present an image of championing diversity, I'm sure almost all of us can relate to being asked questions like, where are you really from then? Or, well, what about your parents? By white Brits, much less to tell of the more aggressive, openly racist things we get told. I feel like what defines white Britain's attitude towards non-white Brits is their idea of tolerance. It's a word bandied about by many politicians It's on my daughter's nursery display board as a British value. Britain is tolerant. I believe that wholeheartedly. It is clear to me that we are tolerated. We are not loved, not a part of the fold, not accepted. We are just tolerated. On the other hand, when I go home to Jamaica, I'm called English girl, or people will speak to me in a diluted patois. 
I used to think that this was what made me too British for Jamaica until I realized that although I was identified by my land of birth, I'm expected to live according to Jamaican culture, even as a girl from foreign. I'm expected to raise my children on planting porridge. I'm expected to teach my children patois. I'm expected to wash my intimates by hand with blue soap because every Jamaican knows it's an abomination to put your underwear in the washing machine. And I'm expected to force everyone in the house to clean on a Saturday morning. I was expected to behave like a Jamaican woman, even though I lived here in England. I realized that Jamaica had to be my home and Jamaicans had to be my people because they were surprised and confused whenever I didn't act like them. In Britain, I'm constantly expected to be different from the white English norm. I'm expected to have strange ways and eat strange food and speak a strange language because whether Britain likes to admit it or not, I am not the norm. I decided to follow my grandma's plan and to go where I fit. I see Jamaica as my home, the land where my spiritual navel string was cut, if you will, and I doubt that that will ever change. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of the Amalia Anthology series. If you'd like to be a part of the anthology series or want to interview an elder, get in touch at contribute at amalia.com. If you enjoy the podcast and wish to support our production, head on over to amalia.com support. Like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you on the next one.